retirement planning, long-term care insurance, and choosing a financial advisor that actually has your best interests at heart. These are some of the ways we explore financial health on this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to Elder Health Connection, a podcast where I gather innovators in elder health care to discuss their unique perspectives on caregiving and care receiving. My name is Caroline Morris, and I use my combined experience in biochemistry, physical therapy, health coaching, and growing up next door to my grandparents to dig deep into the complexities of aging and then draw out practical solutions that can fit into your life. I record this show from my home in Alexandria, Virginia, sometimes with the input from my dogs, Vinny and Barry. Thank you for joining us today. Today we get to know Jason Hamilton, who is a certified financial planner and chartered retirement planning counselor. He is the founder of Keep It Simple Financial Planning, a fee-only, and we'll learn why that's important, registered investment advisor, managing over $40 million in assets for his clients, and he is the head of family financial coaching at his family's nonprofit, Ideal, a community development corporation located in East Los Angeles. Jason was just such a delight to talk with. I think you'll hear from the start just how kind he is and how much he cares about spreading this information about financial planning to as many people as possible. And his approach with Keep It Simple, I think, makes it more accessible for those of us who might get overwhelmed at the idea of financial planning. He also hosts a vibrant Facebook group, which is in the show notes, a great place to check out some of his work. And I hope you enjoy this episode on financial health with our financial planner. Hi, Jason. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. Great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. And I think we're going to have a really informative and important conversation today about financial health and how the work you do can help us ensure that we are in a good place financially for the long term. So to get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work? Sure. Yeah. So my name is Jason Hamilton. I'm a certified financial planner and a chartered retirement planning counselor. I've been doing this work for just over six years now, working uh, about 90% with clients that are working to make that transition into retirement. And a lot of them have been saving, some haven't, you know, their whole lives. But then they get to this point where they got to look at things like, well, how do I pay for healthcare? Uh, How do I make sure I don't run out of money? You know, am I on track for retirement? So those are the type of questions we like to help clients answer. And and of course, taxes are involved in everything, you know, that we do these days. And then on the, some of my other work we do is we, my wife and I have a nonprofit in East Los Angeles, where we do a lot of financial literacy for those low and moderate income families. So we try to help the whole spectrum of clients here with uh, just like you said, financial health and just uh, getting a plan in place so that they can ideally have a good financial future and just relax and stop stressing out so much about finances, which I know is a big thing for a lot of people. So. Yeah, it makes sense. I think 
there's some parallels between finances and health where a lot of us just don't want to pay attention to it. And then we think nothing will go wrong <laughs> until it is wrong. Yes. Um, like personal training too. Uh, it takes a, usually a major event for people to reach out for help of some sort. Right. And it's yeah. like, until then, we don't want to do it. But if you do things early, right, if you work out a few times a week, <laughs> you plan it early on and have a good cash flow plan, usually things will work out for you over time. But you're right. We're humans. And uh, a lot of times we get busy and just don't want to deal with it. So Exactly. Can you tell us what exactly is financial planning and maybe what training you went through to become a financial planner? Yeah, sure. So the term financial planning is probably one of the least best descriptions <laughs> that you can describe <laughs> for the work that we do. So I guess the way I see it is what the work we do is we help clients leverage all of their financial and personal, personal capital to create the best life they possibly can for themselves. You know, and there are aspects of using money to create that plan, but there's also aspects that it, it's going to involve your family, your career, uh, the decisions you make on when, what vacations to take and, and how much you can really um, find a balance between enjoying life today and also planning for the future. So it is really a utilization of the um, resources that we have. And we like to look at money, not as the goal, but as a tool to live the best life you possibly can. And in the US, you know, unfortunately, we are, well, I shouldn't say unfortunately, however you want to look at it is it's an economically required thing to have, you know, here, you got to have money to live. You go to other countries, like uh, I've been to Mexico and Peru in the last couple of years, you can kind of just get by, you know, with a little bit here or there. But in the US, especially states like California, if you're not economically sound, you might end up in a really tough place you don't want to end up at, at some point. Yeah. I'm in the Washington, D.C. area, so same, mm. same picture here. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah, and I like that your approach is it's not just for the sake of amassing more money, but for using money as a tool to, to live out your goals or values in your life. So I think those of us who do know about financial planning might think it's only really for the wealthy, that that's who the financial planners want to work with, or that's who is using that service to um, hold on to their wealth. But is that true? Or is that a, a myth we can dispel? Well, I will say that there are a lot of advisors that are available for the wealthy, right? That is definitely something you can um, say is true. But I, I would not say it's only for the wealthy. And I would actually say it's probably more beneficial for those that are just getting started, you know, maybe just got their first job or got their first career where they're earning a halfway decent income. Because I think everyone I talked to that's in their 50s or 60s said, I wish somebody would have told me what to do when I was in my 20s, right? And my personal story of how I even got to doing what I was doing today is what my family experienced after going through the 2008 um, market downturn. So during that time, my family did have somebody that was calling themselves a financial advisor, and, and that term is not necessarily regulated. And what was happening at that point when I went back and did the x-ray was they were getting advice to put all of their savings into a bunch of what are called whole life insurance policies. Okay? And the way these policies are sold is they say, hey, these, this is what, where the wealthy puts their money, right? And you know, in a way that can be true, but those policies can be good mostly for people that have so much income that they're maxing out all of their accounts that are uh, like 401ks, Roth IRAs, 
and they have nowhere else to put money to get some sort of deferral and some, some, some tax benefits. So again, every, every financial product has a use, but what usually happens is those low and moderate income families get sold these uh, policies instead of as a good investment, more of something where they say it's an insurance and an investment combined in one instrument. So with that experience, they were contributing for about 13 years before 2008. And when 2008 came, if you know about whole life insurance policies and how they work, it takes about 15 to 20 years to break even on one of those. Okay. Okay. So after about 15, 20 years, you might see some positive benefit out of those. But um, in reality, they should have been putting their money in good investments like mutual funds, ETFs, you know, maybe some stocks and bonds. And when I went back and did the evaluation, they probably should have had somewhere about three to $500,000 to get them through that tough time. But because the whole life insurance policy is having so much internal expenses, they had about 60 grand <laughs> that was sitting there. Oh, wow. okay. And so that time was very challenging, you know, for our family as a whole. And us as kids, we kind of had to all chip in because at that point, my parents were uh, having, they had a small business. It was an Italian restaurant in a suburb of San Jose called uh, Willow Glen. And some of their main clients were big tech companies like Cisco, eBay, you know, those type of companies that would spend a lot of money on catering. Well, once 2008 came, that went to basically zero. And so my family experienced a cash flow crunch. So all that to say is I observed what happened at that point and asked myself, it's like, what happened? You know, how did we get to this situation? Everything was good. We had the house, we had the nice cars, the business was going well. And so I started reading and learning about finances. And what I actually did first was I typed into Google, how do, how do people get wealthy, <laughs> right? Really that simple. You know, and I, and I learned about cash flow planning and budgeting and 401ks and IRAs and mutual funds and, and ETFs. And that led me on a journey to our, one of our local libraries here in Huntington Beach. They have a really beautiful big library. And I just started reading everything I could, you know, in that particular section. And it was over 100 books by the time I ended up finding out about the career to become a certified financial planner. So yes, the question about how kind of my training and journey Well, it started as a personal journey trying to figure out like, how can I not be in this place at 55 like they were? And then I found out there's a career called becoming a certified financial planner. And it looked really interesting. So I started just taking the courses for my own personal knowledge. And actually the company I was working for provided the education benefits. So I started learning about how to maximize your benefits, right? So this is something as a financial planning tool is looking at what offerings your job might have to um, help you advance your financial life. And I just fell in love with it. Uh, I found myself studying at night after 10 hour shifts, studying on the weekends and just really became absorbed in it. And so I said, you know what, let me go try to find my own financial advisor. And what I found was, at that time, there wasn't a lot of help for people that were just really getting started, you know, in, in the world of finances. There was Google and there's a, there were some YouTube videos at the time and some, some podcasts that were decent. But when I went to go try to get help, I found two things over and over. Come back when you have $500,000 or more or buy my whole life insurance policy and then I'll help you with some other basic stuff, kind of like the experience my parents had. So I said, okay, there's got to be a, a better way. And I found this group of individuals that had started a kind of, you can call it an incubator in a sense for people wanting to start financial planning businesses. And it's called XY Planning Network. And their model was really focused on helping, uh, helping advisors help younger people or kind of that low and moderate income sector. Let's get just getting started with different types of models, whether it's like a, a monthly subscription model, for example, like you pay a gym and you can come once a month, for example, and just get advice and get a plan set up. 
or maybe it's hourly, right? You pay for an hour of consulting, you know, at that time. So there, that was something that was so interesting to me that, that I tried to find somewhere doing that I can work at. And it just wasn't really anything available at the time. So I said, you know what, can I start my own thing? Mm-hmm. You know? And so I hired some coaches and some consultants to learn about the compliance, to learn everything you need to do to start a business like this. And so completing the certified financial planner coursework was step one. And then I completed that chartered retirement planning counselor because my parents were ones that I just really wished had better advice along the way. And so I have a big heart and my mom's 63 right now. She just um, retired recently. I helped her with that transition. And so the majority of my clients are in that space, which is, I think, an area where, man, there's so much, you know, and I hate to talk down on the industry and people, but there's, there's a lot of things that are not done appropriately. And I'll just say that lightly. Um, a lot of products that are sold that, not, that are not appropriate and people really just need good advice and guidance on what steps they can take to really optimize. And I call it their financial puzzle, right? Everybody has these pieces of a puzzle, whether it's a pension, social security, maybe it's a 401k, IRAs, Roth IRAs. And how to put all those pieces together to create the optimal picture for themselves. And so that training and kind of work that I do, that was kind of how I got to where I am today. And I've just really found a beautiful community of people that just really want this help. And, you know, funny, funny enough, all the negatives of Facebook, uh, Facebook has been a great resource to just share things and share knowledge. And through that, I found myself into a career now that I just get to do this every day. And it's been absolutely wonderful. So kind of a long long-winded way to to describe my journey, but that's how we got here today. Yeah, great. And it sounds like you've really put a lot of effort and passion into making this type of service accessible for anyone who's willing to learn about it and think about their own financial puzzle. Yeah, we do what we can. And if people can't afford our services, we have the nonprofit, you know, the nonprofit's funded by different places, whether it's banks or foundations. So if they can't afford services, we have somewhere else to send them to get that coaching on more of a pro bono basis as well. The first day of summer is Tuesday, June 21st. And I don't know about you, but I am in need of a refresh. So what I'm doing is from now until June 21st, I'm offering free one hour free refresh strategy sessions for anyone who is willing to take the time and energy to focus on their health. To sign up for a refresh session, head on over to carolinemorris.com or you can click the link in the show notes. Back to the episode. And you mentioned earlier with the nonprofit, the main goal is financial literacy. Can you define that term for us and maybe what are some of the key components of financial literacy? Yeah, that's a great question. So how I would define financial literacy. So I would say understanding what you're doing and why with your finances, right? If you can understand what you're doing, like for example, the simplest thing, if people just did this from, from day one on their job, if they have a 401k available to them at work, throw 10, 15% of your paycheck before you ever take any money home, right? The day out of college, before you ever experience that income and do that for 30 years, 
And that's by far the, the clients that I work with that have achieved a million dollars or more in savings and investments. Honestly, that's, that's 80% of them. That's what they did. 80, maybe 90%. But it's just really knowing where to go and how to get started. And today, the technology and tools with apps even to get you started are good enough, honestly, for most people. But I would just, in simple terms, just knowing what you're doing and why with your, um, all of your financial resources. And I think you've already touched on it, that it's never really too early to begin financial planning. Is it ever too late? Is anyone past the point of hope figuring <laughs> out their picture? <sighs> you know, the, the average retirement savings, according to some of the recent articles I read, is somewhere about $125,000 to $150,000. Doesn't get you far where I live. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to get you far in most areas of the country. So, is it ever too late? No, because whether you have nothing or you have five million dollars, I believe everybody needs to have a plan of how to optimize wherever they're at. You know, and there are plenty of clients I've, I work with that live off Social Security, and that's all they need because they they bought a home, you know, thirty years ago, paid it off, and they've lived very simple and frugal lifestyles. But I can imagine that there's quite a few people in our country that really feel like they might be hopeless at this point and they don't know what to do and they might be scared and just not sure how things are going to work out. And so they end up adapting, uh, adopting what I call the ostrich syndrome, where they just want to put their head in the sand and just not deal with it. And I think that's probably the worst thing you can do. So no, I don't think it's too late, but I do think you really need to get with somebody that is going to give you advice not try to really sell you a product and certified financial planners are kind of a good, you know, solid place to start, but there are other resources if you really can't afford something like that. So, but never too late. Yeah. I think the ostrich syndrome, we can all resonate with at some point in our lives, whether it's with finances or other things we don't want to pay attention to. Yeah. We've all been there. <laughs> Do your, do your clients tell you what some of their barriers are as to why they're sticking their head in the sand? Like, are there common themes of what they're afraid of for seeking help? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would say the number one overarching theme is overwhelm. You know, it's just a lot to deal with. And to be honest, I think the system we have in the U.S. is actually a really good system, but you have to understand how to use it. You know, I spent time in other countries talking with people that actually have been to the U.S. and been over there. And like Italy, for example, I was over there for our honeymoon and you learn how their system works. And it's just really uh, not good comparatively the options that we have here. Same thing in Mexico or Peru, where I spent a decent amount of time. So the, the overwhelm part comes in because it's like, OK, I have this money, right, that I saved my whole life and I just kind of put it in my 401k and I just did whatever the 401k company told me to do. And now I'm here at retirement. And now I have to provide somehow like create my own paycheck in a sense, right? Create this own income. And then I have to deal with social security. So when do I take social security? You can take it as early as 62 or as late as 70 or some, somewhere in the middle. How do I optimize that? My wife and I both work. We both have social security. So let's double the complication there. When, when do each of us take that? Maybe people have pensions. Maybe they're going to retirement and they still have debt of some sort between a home mortgage, a car, maybe even credit cards. You know, there's, there's a lot of decisions that need to be made. And one of our discussions prior to this call was like things like healthcare and long-term care. How do you plan for such a big unknown in the future when it's just like, who knows what's going to happen in 20 or 30 years? And to be honest, I, I used to joke about this five years ago when I first started. 
But right now we might actually have robots that can come in and, and take in a significant effort of what we would normally have to pay somebody to come to our home for if you're on a, on a very light long-term care type of situation. So I think it's overwhelm of just all the things they need to think about when it just becomes something that's just like, they freeze, you know, and just like, I don't want to do anything and end up doing nothing at the end of the day. So we call that analysis paralysis <laughs> sometimes. So yeah. I would say it's simply overwhelm. That makes sense. And I know one of the things for me that's kind of strange and overwhelming when I do play around with my 401k website is it asks you how long you think you're going to live. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, I hope I live a long time, but we don't know. And I have seen some people kind of outlive their savings as well, because they didn't expect to make it well into their 90s. It's like that. Yeah. And I think there's two sides to that coin. If some people get so nervous about spending early because they don't know how long they're going to live, is that there's a ton of people that are getting to older age and they have way more than they expected to have. And they really didn't enjoy those early years when they were in their, in their best physical shape, because they weren't sure, you know, what they can do. And you're right. I was at a conference, uh, this few years back, 2017, and there was a discussion about what's coming in medical technology, things like 3d printed organs, gene editing, CRISPR, uh, a artificial intelligence, being able to create specific drugs that can target specific things in your body for all, all for a reasonable cost over the next five to 10 years. So what they were saying is, this is back in 2017, if your clients are alive 10 to 15 years from now, you could probably add a year of life expectancy on the back end for every year they live beyond that because of the advances that are, that are coming in medical technology. So, so what the expectation is, 110 or 120 years old is, is going to be like relatively normal coming in the next two or three decades. So is it really reasonable to expect you can work for 30 years and then fund yourself financially for 60 more. I mean, these are, these are real big questions that are happening right now in the space. And we don't know, obviously, you know, how all this stuff can work out, but this is where you have to have that annual planning, right. To check in where are things at, are you on track off track? Do you need to, you know, can you increase spending or decrease spending? And this is where kind of the work that we do comes in, you know, to help clients with these questions, because it's not a one and done thing. Like you don't know when you're, how long you're going to live. You might, people get things that happen to them instantly. And then six months later, they have a huge medical problem. Mm -hmm. But I do have clients with parents that are 103 and still driving to the store <laughs> on a weekly basis to go get their groceries. Right. And everything's still going well. So it's a, it is a big question, but we just have to find the balance is how I look at it. So how would some of those conversations go when you're trying to do to start a retirement plan or refine one annually? What types of things do you look at? How does the conversation go? So the name of my firm is Keep It Simple Financial Planning, right? Love so yeah. <laughs> there, if you look at the subject matter areas, right? And, and before I understood my own marketing, because I, I started with the beginning with wanting to keep things simple because I know how how much better that is when it comes for people absorbing information. I come from an engineering background, so I can nerd out. I love to nerd out on numbers and just go down the rabbit hole. And I one time created a thing because people were saying, well, what do you do? And I said, let me create this little schematic. And it was like 50 boxes of like all these different things that we can do, right? So where I've come now today with some of the knowledge and, and uh, you know, hopefully wisdom, you know, over this time 
is just to start with simple questions like, what do you want your life to look like in this next stage? Right? Do you want to just live a real simple life where, you know, you're living off a little bit more in your social security, for example? Uh, do you want to have five or 10 years where you really have these blowout vacations and you take your family on all these beautiful trips that you never could, you know, because you're working possibly, right? A lot of people I'm seeing now are wanting to do like a staged retirement where they don't want to stop working at 62 or 63, but financially they probably could if they lived to 85 or 90, but they're now moving into areas where they're, they're moving into passion projects where it's like a part-time retirement where they might work three or six months a year or just a few hours you know, a week, five, 10, 15 hours, but they're doing something that can generate income that brings them joy and purpose. And you know, back in when social security was created, you're only expected to live like a year or two after because of the harsh conditions you know, of these factory work when this was all started. People are living 30 years beyond social security. And this is where the pressure on that, on that social security is coming from. We can talk about you know, if, that, if I think that's going to go away or not, which I don't. But these are things now where if you can bring in a couple thousand dollars a month and you're not having to touch your retirement accounts and you can let those grow, well, then not only do you get the benefit of, of the active ment you know, mental work each day, physical work, um, but also you're, you can technically you know, stretch your retirement frame out a lot longer and probably retire earlier. This is a big thing. People, a lot of people, if they work part-time for a few years, could retire in their mid-50s to late 50s versus waiting till 70, but they don't know that because they have the ostrich syndrome and they never really work through creating a plan. So, so these are the type of things where it's like, I want to start first with, what is your ultimate vision? What is your goal for yourself? What do you want this next stage to be? And then my job, the way I see it is to take the knowledge and expertise I have to optimize the resources to help you create that retirement puzzle to find, to get those pieces fitting together perfectly so that you can get the maximum impact. You can say the bang, best bang for your buck, you know, out of everything that you have going there. Um, and then from there, we kind of dive deeper depending on how they're set up, where it might be around how to optimize for taxes. Do we optimize for your legacy? Like do you want to leave money behind for your kids, which there's this whole thing in our industry saying there's going to be this huge wealth transfer, but like, the far majority of people I speak to say, you know what, if there's anything left over, they can have it. But my goal is to spend the money. Oh, really? uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, when you talk to people versus some of the research you see, it's uh, interesting. But my, my goal is to help you tailor that journey and to just be that guide that shows you, hey, here, here's path A. This is what it might look like. Here's path B. You know, here's how we can optimize to get you the best um, overall situation with your current available resources. Yeah, that makes sense. And it sounds even just you talking about it, I started to relax a little bit. It sounds like a very kind of freeing way to approach financial talk of exploring different options, seeing what feels best for you and how you want your life to look like in the next few years. Yeah, I mean, and I think this is a different way to approach it versus the old school, which there's a lot of this mentality still by the general public that this world is about selling a product. And, and it used to be, by the way, you know, it used to be about <clears throat> attaching your, whatever you, if you had five or 10,000 bucks, you want to get started. Okay. Well, what mutual fund do we sell you? Or if you want to get an income stream, what annuity do we sell you? Or what it's a, it was a transaction, right? Now it's more of a journey and it's more of a, you know, it's not a product, it's a process, right? It, it's, it's a long time, a long road you need to go down. And my goal is to hop in and just make sure you stay on track and you don't end up with a big red light somewhere that you have to now change your whole lifestyle. You know, it's about micro adjustments over time. So totally different than what it used to be. Great. 
Yeah, that's so refreshing to hear, especially for those of us who don't have a great working knowledge of what a mutual fund is, what an annuity is to then be presented with, you need to buy this. And it's like, do I really need to buy this? I don't, I don't know, but your, your approach of kind of guiding and coaching your clients, I could see as being much more effective. So let's talk a little bit about healthcare costs and medical bills. Do you have any suggestions or strategies if someone maybe already has a chronic condition or just some of the inevitabilities of life If we know most healthcare spending happens in the last year of life, things along those lines of what you would suggest? It, I guess it would depend on the, the level there, right? But, and again, if you're on Medicare too, or prior to Medicare, because these are all things that, that come into place. Because Medicare overall actually is a pretty good program. You know, it's actually expected to run out of funding prior to Social Security, but nobody talks about that. But overall, it's, it's a pretty good program. So I would want, I really want to make sure people took advantage of everything they could there and got the right Medicare and supplements. Because some people may need drugs, for example, and those drugs can be quite expensive, you know, if, if that is something that they have to be on. But, you know, that's just such a big question. I have to know, okay, well, what are you dealing with? Do you have a year left to live? Are we looking at 10 years? Yeah, I mean, it's just, if it's draining your accounts, for example, then you may want to speak to an elder care attorney to help you optimize your financial resources so that you could take more of a benefit of things like Medicaid potentially, you know, or other resources that might come up. Like in California, we have um, additional supplemental health care that adds on top of Medi uh, Medicare. So you might have Medicare, which right now is not that cheap. It went up quite a bit this last year, about 175, I think, for, the, uh, for Part A, and then another, I forget the number, 60, 80 for Part B, could be quite expensive. Excuse me, um, excuse me, Part A is free, Part B is 175, and then your Part D might be another 69 or 70. So people are paying over $200 you know, for, for Medicare. In California, they'll give you a supplemental that goes on top of that, that will help reduce the cost and also cover things like drug costs on top of that. So I'd say you want to go to whatever local resources you have and look at your state and see what the options are, or potentially consider moving to a state that's more friendly that might be able to provide you with more if you are in that situation. So that's just a, I'd have to know a little bit more about the specifics on how to guide that one. Got it. And just to clarify, Medicare Part A is the hospital insurance, inpatient insurance, Part B is outpatient, and Part D is pharmacy benefit. Basically, yeah. Mm -hmm. the, the scoping overview there. Yeah. Um, and I think to your point about the supplement is Part B usually only covers 80% of the cost, at least in the therapy world, that's what's covered. So. Um, not everyone realizes that Medicare doesn't cover 100% of the bills. Well, and a lot of people think it covers long-term care as well, which it doesn't, right? So that's another big one. That's a big kind of, I don't know what you want to call it, myth, you know, in, in that field is they think they're going to be covered and then people aren't mm -hmm. with that. So that's a tough one. It is. And it's something I see play out a lot of if people go to a nursing facility for therapy, then it'll get covered under the Part A benefit. But if they need to stay on long-term, it's not covered. And even some people who purchase the long-term care insurance still aren't getting full coverage. Is that something you've had any experience with as you help people choose which plans to, to pursue? 
Uh, to be honest, like Medicare specifically, I work with a specialist on that because state to state, you can have a lot of different plans that, that may mm. come in there. But the long-term care insurance, that game is a very interesting space right now. Like 20 years ago, people were buying these policies that sounded great. They were reasonable cost and they're supposed to cover basically everything, right? And for a lot of people, they did. But the problem was the insurance companies underestimated how popular that need was going to be. And so we've seen things in the last few years where people are getting their um, monthly costs raised, their, their um, long-term care premiums raised 75% over the course of just two or three years. So if you're talking about going you know, $400 a month to $700 a month, for example, and you're on a fixed income, that can cause a huge like, problem in your overall cash flow plan and so this is a big disruption and people are dropping policies they're not able to afford them. So they paid into them for all these years and then they're not able to kind of keep them up over time. So that's a problem. And then the ones that are coming out today, honestly, they, the ones I've seen lately, they almost seem like a prepayment plan in a sense where like, if, if, if you put that money aside, if you live to an average age, right. And in your late eighties or whatnot, and you just put that money aside, you would almost end up in a better place by investing that money than you would by buying a Medicare, or excuse me, buying a um, long-term care policy because the coverage just isn't really all that great these days. But they are good for two areas of clients that I found, ones that don't really need them, right? And so that they can just have that extra protection there and then invest their money more aggressively, for example, and let, let their wealth grow and have that policy cover some. And those that are on the real borderline, where if they had an event and something were to happen, they'd be in a lot of trouble it's probably better for them to almost prepay that and have that coverage in place. But in the middle these days, it gets a lot more difficult because if, if it looks like you can cover, let's say, you know, two years each for each spouse, where the average stay for women these days is about um, two and a half years, average stay for men's about uh, one and a half years, that's about four years total. If you can cover that and you're looking at statistically the likelihood of, of things happening, it is a 55% chance one of the uh, spouses at least is going to have some sort of long-term care situation, but it could just be 90 days. You know, we don't really know. So a lot of people are opting now to just self-fund and hope for the best from, from what I've seen, because the cost versus benefit has really diminished, you know, over the last number of years with all the claims that have happened over time. Yeah. Thank you for explaining that. I didn't know all the background of what was going into those plans and how they're evolving. It's really helpful info. Getting back to keeping it simple, Jason, for those of us who are just starting to pull our heads out of the sand, what are one or two things that are key to financial wellness? What would be the right place to start? The first step I, I would start is making a decision that it's time because there's a lot of things you, know, you need to think about and, and it's going to take some, some mental energy right, and some effort to get everything in order and, and get things organized. But you need to really make that decision and commit because sometimes people say, you know, I commit a little bit and they kind of go back and forth for years. And once you make that decision, then I'd say the next thing to do is just to get yourself organized and get really clear on what you have, where it is and your current financial situation. And if these things are overwhelming to you, then find an advisor to work with. And I would recommend uh, what's called a fee-only advisor. Okay. There's three levels, commission advisors, which are the product salespeople. There's fee and commission, which is a mix. They do some fees and, and then they sell some products. 
And then there's fee only, which those advisors act in a fiduciary capacity where they're legally obligated to do what's in your best interest before their own. And you can find hourly advisors. You can find ones that will help you for like, like I mentioned, that subscription model where you pay a fee monthly and you might work together over a year, for example. Um, and then there's ones that will just help you manage your money if you have some, some assets to manage and they charge a percentage of assets under management. And then they'll take care of all the planning with you that way. So it doesn't come out of your direct cash flow. But if you find somebody who's fee only, you're, and, and somebody who's a certified financial planner, you're more than likely going to get someone that's going to help you get the whole picture together and, and bring that peace of mind that you're looking for to help you figure out what the best next steps are you for you personally based on your current status. Great. And will they advertise that they're fee only or is that something you have to ask? Um, I would ask. Generally, they will advertise, but honestly, the industry is a little murky. Well, they'll, they'll say like fee-based, right? Okay. Fee-based is fee and commission, okay? Okay, so, good to know. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the quote-unquote salespeople, the annuity salespeople, the insurance salespeople will call themselves fee-based and people get that. That's very tricky terminology, but fee-only is very specific. So fee-only advisors will generally definitely advertise that because that's very specific terminology that outside the industry, you don't really know, but if you're inside, you know very clearly what that means. And it's very strict guidelines there. You could also look at organizations like NAPFA, uh, National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. That is a fee-only organization. The uh, Garrett Planning Network, that one's good for hourly help if you want just a kind of hour, couple hours of help. And then XY Planning Network is good. They have people that do younger people, but also older folks too that are closer to retirement. But those three networks will really get you somebody that is generally going to be working in your best interest on a fee-only basis. Excellent. And I'll put those links in the show notes for people to check out. All right. Thank you for those resources. Jason, if you had to give any summary statements or parting words of wisdom, what do you think is the, the biggest takeaway that you want people to leave with? Yeah. One big thing for me is that my hope is that people will just be comfortable to take the first step to start working on their finances because there is so much abundance and there's so much help available but folks just really want to wait until it might be too late. And if you can start addressing any sort of financial uh, gaps early, you're going to have so much of a better experience later in life. And if you're already getting towards that retirement, you know, time is ticking. And the earlier you get things in place, the better you're going to feel, the more relaxed you're going to feel. And that's going to bring not only financial health into your life, but probably some mental health and some physical health because that stress reduction is just so evident when I see a client that gets a plan in place, how they're able to just be calm, know what the next step is they need to take and to get ready to not only expand into that next stage, but anytime uh, they think about hiding, they say, no, I'm going to step out of that and into taking control of my finances and being confident with this next step with uh, my life. Yeah, very beautifully said. It reminds me of the saying of the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago and the second best time is today. So if people want to take their first step with through some of your work or your company's foundations, what's the best place for them to find you? Yeah, I'll give you a couple of resources. So we have a wonderful Facebook group. It's completely free. It's called Your Retirement Coach. And in there, we're about somewhere around 20,000 people in there that are planning for retirement together. And there's, a, there's about maybe 200 workshops at this point that I've done on different retirement subjects, financial subjects. 
And there are hundreds, if not thousands of engaged people that are happy to help you answer questions, give you insights. And there's just, I don't know how many posts, it's gotta be you know, hundreds of thousands at this point of questions that you probably have that I've answered, that others have answered, that you can search through to really help you hone in on your uh, financial journey. And then if you want help beyond that, then obviously we offer services and uh, you can find our firm at keepitsimplefinancial.com. And they're on our website. You're going to find our contact form. There's some things you can download, a lot of blogs and other videos there you can watch. But that Facebook group, I think, is a really good place to start. And once you're ready to take that next step and get some actual help, then our website would be the next step to go. Great. Excellent. Yeah, that Facebook community sounds like a living library of um, real life questions and answers to get started. Absolutely. And we have low asset people, high asset people all across the board. So it is a, in these days, which is tough to find a politic free, we try to keep all the garbage out of there with mm-hmm. politics, obviously as much as we can, because taxes are somewhat involved in that um, very positive, high energy, high vibe environment. I do not allow a lot of negativity in there. I don't allow complaining. Um, we want people to feel good when they're joining that after they fight the fight the battle of whatever else is on their personal <laughs> Facebook page <laughs> to get there. So um, we would love to have anybody join so all you have to do is just click to join. There's a couple of questions to fill out to make sure you're not a spam bot. Um, and then we'll be happy to add you to that. Great. Thank you. And thank you so much for taking the time today to help us improve our own financial literacy and give us some actionable steps to, to making a better plan and, and ultimately life for ourselves. Uh, it's absolutely my pleasure. And it was, it was great to chat with you. Really good questions today. Really hoping folks can start now. Maybe this gives them the motivation to take that first step. Great. Thank you, Jason. Thanks, Carolyn. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and does not create a provider-patient relationship between us. If you have questions about your health, please speak to a qualified health professional. If you would like to learn more about working with me as your qualified health professional, please visit carolinemorris.com. Did you know that gratitude is good for your health? If you found value in this episode, please share it with a friend and leave a rating or review. To keep the connection going, subscribe to Elder Health Connection on your favorite podcast player to get immediate access to upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening. With love and gratitude, Caroline.